What's up, guys? What's going on, Eli? I appreciate that you played that a little bit longer. We got a, we got a guy in a pretty big deal today, but um, Huge I always deal. love I always love throwing long cut out there. We're getting an intro made, like a video intro for some mm -hmm. of our YouTube stuff. But such good dudes, and I feel like if I haven't heard some of their lyrics, I just can't. I can't quite get out of the blocks. I can't quite get sure. going until I hear that, and I'm good to go. And long cut does it, man. Cooler than SoCal, <laughs> but not from SoCal. We got Sal. From first form today. I like it. President I like of first it. form. He's not allowed to talk right now, but I will say this. Even though he played Cape Cod baseball and he was drafted, he did admit that my my energy and what appeared to be baseball talent was probably significantly more than his. Um, and I appreciated that type of compliment from a guy like that. So we're just <laughs> right out of the gate. You know, he was just asking me stuff, and it was it was very humbling. So we appreciate him being around, but full disclosure, that's not true. I'm just super jelly playing in Cape Cod. And, and real quick, before we kick it off, welcome to the Day $1.0 podcast, guys. Uh, we have your host, Will Grimes, Somewhere. your co-host, Eli Absolutely. Schmidt. And, Absolutely. Uh, uh, guys, uh, if you could, if you find value from this episode, guys, if you wouldn't mind... Giving this a like, giving this a share, telling a buddy about it. It goes a long way for us, and uh, we're super grateful for every listener we have out there. So yeah, 100%. thank you guys for listening. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all that good stuff. And yeah. if you're just feeling like you need something different, word on the street, I think there might be an anagram one day. So uh, if you'd like something like that, we need to just harass everybody possible to see if there's some value there. And maybe uh, maybe there's a free speech platform out there everyone could be on and enjoy. But Just maybe. Without further ado, First Form President Sal Frisella. Big man, what's going on? What's going on, fellas? I, I, and let's full disclosure here. <laughs> one question I asked Will about baseball was, did he use bleach when he was doing our laundry, or was it like the bleach-free detergent? I was confused. Well, and I had a now be, mine was five minutes long. I had a I had a conversation. That was the extent of my career. Yours was a uh, yours was a lot better than mine. So, if I'm using integrity, I, I think I used bleach. <laughs> and I, I was not on the field as much as you, so I, I felt like I got really good at it. And then, you know, I had to, I had to go do better things with myself because I just wasn't there, man. <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. I look forward to having a little fun today. Yeah, yeah man. man. I appreciate you not letting me have my first comment right out of the gate. You just take it right away from me. I can't even leave people thinking that I was better at baseball than you. Definitely not, man. Uh, listen, I wasn't very good at, you know, so that, that well, we just set the bar there. But, yeah. You know. Hey, nobody in Cape Cod is. Nope. Yeah, not at all. They just, you know, those are, uh, apparently those are the best of the best in college baseball. Um, apparently not. I don't know. But we're going to get into that, man. And and just full disclosure, if you guys haven't listened to this podcast, Day $1.0, it's exactly that. It's what was someone's literal Day $1.0 and then how are they, you know, all the stories in the interim to then how are they still approaching every single day like it's Day one's all zero. You guys have heard my story of starting in a pantry and and what that looked like for me. But we're going to get into it today with... um you know, with first form with president, uh, you know, Sal and kind of go over and Sal, if you wouldn't mind, man, just throw some context at us as far as like, you know, where's first form at right now and what your involvement is and what you're doing. And I think, you know, after that, we'll kind of dive in and go back to your early days and, um, and hear about your day one. Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> you know, first form, we're, we're a sports nutrition company. Um, and I, it's funny because I'm trying to, from a vernacular standpoint, transition that to, you know, we're a, a lifestyle brand and, really helping people gain back control of their life. And, and whether that's, you know, education, nutritional, uh, or personal from an interaction standpoint, really trying to provide as much value as we can. We just happen to make vitamins. Right. And, um, you know, um, you know, from a sales standpoint, you know, our goal, you know, is to, to cross over that half billion, that half billion dollar mark this year. And, um, you know, we really want to, uh, 
make sure that we're setting the bar for what it is to, to, to have a true customer experience, you know, to have a true customer appreciation uh, life cycle where, um, you know, our customers come in and, and it's literally the bar in which they, they hold the standard for, for all other shopping experiences. And we do that through, you know, creating personal interaction. I think in the digital space, it's how fast or efficient can we make it and ours is how much can we slow it down and how much can we, can we really have a relationship with the consumer? And, you know, we've taken that model, even though everybody said we were stupid. Um, and we really, we re- really have, you know, just tried our best to, to scale that experience throughout. And so, um, you know, we got a lot of work to do, you know, there's a lot of things that we can improve on, but you know, something that we take a great deal of pride in is, is really just holding the standard and making sure that we do whatever we can to help that customer, um, achieve, you know, we got, there's 347 employees here at first form. We just figured that out on Sunday night. Um, <laughs> pretty incredible. Actually, it was, it was actually a stressful number to, uh, to, to digest just simply because, you know, like, honestly, I didn't know. And I know it's, it's, that's a terrible statement and I probably shouldn't even disclose that, but you know, the guy asked me, uh, you know, how many, how many employees do we have? And I said, I don't know, probably 260, 265. And, uh, when he, you know, he came back with that total number, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty humbling because, you know, it's, it's, and I don't take this lightly, but it's, you know, put your head down and do the work and let everything else take care of itself. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you allow and, and empower your people to do their jobs, you know, everything can really take off and, and, uh, and it's spawned into a different flower. And I think it's, you know, I, I really focused on just putting my head down and, and, uh, you know, we've built an unbelievable team of, of men and women here that, you know, really have made my job and life a hell of a lot better. Um, you know, and, and the best part of the whole situation is, man, we get to do it by helping people change their lives. You know, I, I, I get to humbly walk in this building every single day knowing that this is what God put me on this planet to do, is, which is, you know, giving somebody, helping somebody earn the keys back to their life and just playing a small role in, in, in transgressing that from – you know, what looks back in the mirror and not being happy at it to an, an earned confidence that comes through putting in the work. And, you know, when we look at our, our staff here, you know, to watch them scale the business and, and really just be great at what they do in helping people, you know, Andrew and I get a lot of the credit for it, but the truth of the matter is, is we can only have so many conversations in a 24 hour period. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of what our team has built over the last 10 years and, and it's taken a great team to do that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, certainly a little bit different than when we got started. That's for sure. It's great, man. And we were there, you know, having having fun for you guys' podcast and and everybody. And, and what you're saying is true. Everybody in that building, man, super great energy. Not fake energy. Some people were like a little bit more hyper or energetic. Grace, who's awesome, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's her, man. That's who she is. Yeah. It was it was organic, you know. So you could feel just different people's personalities and energies. But they were all super positive. DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, great security dude right but he also like made us feel so welcomed and so at home mm-hmm. and shoved our bags f- as much as much as you could pack full of that stuff uh, supplements and made us feel great during the workouts took us around and just made us feel like you know hey if you, if you guys get invited you're part of the family mm-hmm. you know it was cool and you can definitely tell like i've ordered some stuff since then uh just because i'm running out and i got a handwritten letter on my invoice that was just like, hey, this is so and so, and hey, appreciate your, you know, your your purchase, and hey, by the way, the German chocolate, you know, that's one of my favorite. Hey, cool, and and I kind of want to talk to you about that too, and we'll we'll dive into into some more in details as we move forward. But I love everything you're talking about with empowering people and the, and the customer experience, and I know that's gonna there's gonna be some stories there as we get started. But 
something that I want to make sure, you know, and we're, we're huge on this in the entrepreneurial world. We're huge on it, especially in the real estate world, man, with markets like there are now. And everybody's a broker. And, and there's a lot of people that we help nowadays. And it, there's one thing I try to get them to just understand that's more powerful than they think. And that's being a practitioner. That's like, hey, beyond like you marketing yourself on Facebook and all this stuff and, and all this jibber jab, like you still got to be fucking good at what you do. Right. And you know, from, from the Dan Bailey's on down, man, from taking it myself, I was in the, the supplement world for a long time. I've, uh, we've got some mutual friends that I was doing it with and you guys have great product, you know? And it's like, I want to make sure we talk about that today too, because it's like, man, customer experience and making them feel welcomed in, in, in fancy buildings and all this thing. When we talk about culture, the one thing at the core of all that culture is you guys have great fucking stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and how important is that, especially in your position as president and doing a lot of things with first form, how important is that and how much time and what does that look like for you diving into to make sure that that never wavers? Honestly, what's interesting is we have such a high bar on level of quality that I, I, I forget that that's even an issue, mm. you know, and we've, and, and you go back, if you know my brother, and I know he's been on the podcast, you know, Andrew has this unwavering um, need for the best mm -hmm. and want for the best. And, you know, I didn't really know much about the supplement space before I got into it, but, you know, I know my brother really, really well. And, and you know, I, I've taken over manufacturing since then. But, you know, what when we got into the business, his expectation is always the best, no matter what. He can handle, and, and this is a, a mantra that is, you know, driven down through our people now is like, I can handle the fact, or we can handle the fact that somebody says our product's too expensive. But what we cannot handle is somebody saying that our product sucks or our product's mm -hmm. cheap or our product's, you know, not to the highest of standards. And so, you know, we've really taken a great deal of pride. And even, in fact, we're, we're, we're relaunching some SKUs later this week, you know, that we felt we could have made better. They could be better. And they're only a couple of years old you know, and making sure that we're constantly going back and, and revisiting, you know, all right, where are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, right? A SWOT analysis and, and figuring out what our weaknesses are and let's improve upon those, even if they're, you know, five, 10%, right? Let's, let's, there's a, there's an un, unwavering uh, attention to detail when it comes to quality that sits inside our facility. And, you know, something that we do, you know, all of our powders that are made here in, in uh, Missouri come out of an SQF level three facility, which is the standard of, of Whole Foods. Um, it's very unique in the supplement industry to manufacture it at a quality level that high. Um, and it's something that, you know, we, we actually did it as a, you know, when the FDA was kind of dipping their toes in the sports supplement industry, we did it as a, as a prerequisite so that if the FDA were to ever step in, we kind of keep running. And what's cool is that when we were a little bit smaller, we were a lot more dynamic, we could move a lot faster. And so that was an easy process for us to kind of start with. Right. And it was a lot more expensive, uh, it was a much bigger upfront investment. And however, in the long term, that customer, uh, that, that customer loyalty that we've been able to create, not only from a product or from a customer service experience, but from a, a product experience, right? Being able to say and use the best products that they speak and stand alone by themselves is an important piece of the product process. And it's funny that, that that's so ingrained in my brain that, that never, ever give on that ever. It's not even a question, mm -hmm. not a, not a matter of cost. Uh, that I don't, I forget to even sell it. I forget to even use it as one of the sales tools. Cause in my brain uh, it's hardwired. And, and I think that's, you know, one of our unique competitive advantages is, you know, in our supplement space, they, they do what's called least cost formulation. So they find the price point in which the category should sit and then they manufacture to a margin so that they can make money in this certain, in this certain uh, space. 
And for us, we've always said, hey, we operate off of a fixed margin and whatever it takes to make the best product, we're going to sell it with the fixed margin that we, it takes to operate the business inside of that. And, you know, we do, we have products that, you know, the category might be at $24.99. Ours might be $42.99, but we don't waver on quality. And, and going back to that, that original statement is like, can handle you saying that, that the product's too expensive, mm-hmm. but I cannot handle you saying that their product's cheap or crap. And so, um, you know, we've, that's something that we, you know, we've stood by since the early days. And it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, we're the only industry on planet earth where you can justify in your head, it's going in your body. And it should be the perfect analogy of like, you're investing on what you're putting into your body. You should make sure, make this sure that this is a great investment. However, a lot of times it's like, well, I can get it cheaper at Amazon or I can get it cheaper at Walmart. Or I can get it cheaper. Well, this is a perfect instance of you get exactly what you pay for in the sports nutrition industry, because you know, these, these guys are competing on price, but understand so are your results and so is your body and, and everything that comes out of it. So we've just always taken that, that premium category road and we've, you know, kind of, kind of anchored in that way. Yeah. And I feel like it's so important, man. And, it, and it's great to get your perspective on how like it's so ingrained in your guys' culture. It's not even a thought, but I think it's important for, you know, guys at our level and folks that we help because like, man, in, in the real estate world or the entrepreneur world, everybody is so quick. Like they want to lead, they want a customer, right? They, they want customers. How do I get more customers and more customers? Eli and I average two, two to three closed referrals per client that we've helped, <clears throat> you know, and we try to let these guys know like, Hey, these are the most expensive buys and sells of people's lives. It's great to get eager and want to do your Facebook videos and things like that. But listen, if you're not an advisor, if you're not a professional, if you're not a subject matter expert on everything that goes inside of deals, there's just no integrity behind whatever culture you think you're building, whatever group, whatever following you think you have, there's no integrity. And it's the same thing with you guys, like the, you know, the weight loss challenges, the 75 hards everything within your guys's culture has to start with the very first thing. And that's, Hey, there's integrity behind our brand and what we're giving you to put in your body in the first place. And I feel like that's the tree trunk that's allowed a lot of these other branches to grow. That's also why the following and the culture and the, and the, just the, the loyalty that people have around you guys, man, I feel like it starts and finishes with just doing what you guys say you're going to do or what you expect from others. And I guess in our world, man, outside of the supplement world, you know, or even when I was in it, everybody was just trying to like make that buck first versus, Hey, doing the right thing is always the right thing. And if it doesn't start with you, how are you going to be building a culture around that? And I know we're going to get into that too, but just felt like it was an important piece that people shouldn't forget as far as being a practitioner, being a professional at your craft, you've got to be the best. Yeah. And I, I, we have a saying, and it's, it's in our lobby. I don't know if you read it or not, but we always say founded on quality, built on service, measured on results. Mm-hmm. And You'll, you'll never hear, like, we don't, even though we measure it in the background, average transaction, right? We never, you cannot treat your customers as if they're an ATM. You cannot look at them as, a, as a, a dollar. You have to look at them on how can I deliver the best results to this person, period. I couldn't tell you the person that we just wrote a check to for $50,000 for the transformation contest. I have zero idea how many dollars in product they bought from us. Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. My job or our job as a company is to deliver the best result possible. And when, and if we deliver the best result possible, the, the, the outcome, the result will speak for itself. And so when you say measured on results, you know, a lot of times people will put the dollar in front of the, in front of the interaction and understanding that the, the dollar comes after the interaction based off of how well you do. And, and time will tell you that time is the, is the ultimate proof, uh, or the ultimate truth teller of how great you are. And I, and I always use this analogy, like name me the industry, no matter what industry, 
no matter what industry, the very best person makes a lot of money. The very best. I don't care if you're in the flooring business, if you're the best, you make a lot of money. If you're the contracting business, you're the best, make a lot of money. If you're the best stripper, you make a lot of money. If you're the best NASCAR driver, you make a lot of money. Being the best comes with the comes with the reward of money. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you every time that I've seen somebody chase the dollar first, they lose. And, you know, we've done a great job, I, I feel, in, in, in never measuring our people based off of dollars. It's always based off of results. And so, and I understand that the results will equate to dollars eventually, but always making sure that we're, we're focused on the interaction and focused on measuring and getting these people the actual results that they signed up for, which in, in our case is usually losing weight, right? And, and we tell people, and a lot of that comes into that buy-in cycle is like, this process is not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. It's not a 21-day fix. It's not a lemon wrap. It's not some diet. It's not a, this is a lifestyle adjustment. But if I do my job correctly, I'm going to meet you halfway. And if you do your job correctly, you're going to have to meet me halfway because it's going to require work. But if you do that, we can get you where you want to go. And the results, what you realize is some people buy more supplements than others. It's totally indifferent to me. Our job is to get them where they want to go. And if we get them to where they want to go, they're going to market our product for us. Just to your point, like you're going to get two to three referrals based off of this person who just lost a hundred pounds, I'm probably going to get 20 or 30 referrals. Mm-hmm. So instead of me worrying about how many, how many uh, supplements I jammed on this person's throat, let's worry about, let's focus on really getting them the best results possible because now you've given the keys back to the, back to this person for their life. They're a better mother, brother, husband, sister, father. They're inherently going to be in debt to you because they find peace and comfort and trust in you. Then they're going to go walk around and talk about how much better they feel, how much more in control of their life, how they understand that this is a lifestyle, not, not just a, some simple diet that we have empowered them to actually be comfortable in the gym and be comfortable in their skin and be comfortable being a father or a husband that they want to be. Guess what happens in this situation? They go out and tell everybody they know because they love it. And if we do our job correctly and we get them the results that they, that they signed up for sales come. Yeah. The sales take care of themselves. And and what I've learned is, you know, in most people in the fitness space, they've already bamboozled this person 12 times. They've already sold them fat burners and wraps and lasers and, you know, go stand on the, the thing at the gym and shake and we're going to shake the way. It ain't going to work. No. The only, way that, the only way that I know how to do this is we're going to measure it. If you can measure it, you can manage it. So we're going to track your food. You're not going to starve. You're actually probably going to eat more food than you think. And we're going to follow a little game plan. And we're going to follow a plan that's going to lead you towards success, but you have to follow that plan. I can't, I can't make you do it. And that buy-in factor has helped us create a a great deal of trust and loyalty through our customer base because it's a mutual, it's a mutually beneficial relationship, right? Like no different than your relationship at home. If you're constantly giving, give, 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 and there's no return, that's not a relationship. That's a one-way street. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you invest in each other, there's a bond that happens. And then that bond inherently as humans, we, we love it. We love that feeling and that interaction. There's an obligation to make sure that, Hey, this person took care of me. I'm going to take care of them. I'm so glad and your light I'm, hears this right now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's a one way street. I care and care and care for this guy so much. He won't even yeah. buy me fucking lunch. So much care. I know. I know. Well, Sal, I'm super glad to hear you say that, man, because I feel like a lot of businesses and a lot of people in the business education space, and I mean that like the people listening to business podcasts and things like that, they get so caught up in KPIs and metrics and how can I measure this? And, oh, are we going to get an ROI out of this? If we do this thing, is it going to give us an ROI? And if there's not a clear, distinct way for them to measure what that ROI is, 
they're not doing it, right? And, and it's they're, simple they're not jumping in. But you guys, man, you guys see the value of just paying attention to the customer and making sure they get their results. And maybe you can't directly correlate what an R by now you guys probably have enough data where you probably can, but maybe before you couldn't, you know, correlate, Hey, just being a good person to this guy that needs help. What's that going to give us on the back end? Yeah. And just, you know, and like for my, for my dumb brain, right? Like very simplistically, don't forget, like, don't forget what it feels like to be a customer. Yeah. Because when we're on that customer side in a company or brand, treats us a certain way and it feels good and you feel good representing them and you're you're proud to, to buy their products and you get you've got resources where if you ask questions you get responses hey they're giving you the tools they're giving you the key to the city like don't forget what it feels like to be that customer and reciprocate that and sal you've got a lot of man i feel like when you're talking there's so much command and confidence and yet poise and fluidity to everything that you're saying. And I know that comes from just a long time of being in business and a long time being around people and doing the right things. And that kind of segues into us of like, who is Sal? Like, what was, what do you feel like your day one dollar zero was? Like, was it, was it with first form? Was it prior to first form? Was it, you know, Hey, you're doing baseball. Do you want to dive into baseball a little bit, but then you decided to make a change or you had to make a change. What was that day one dollar zero of like, okay, I'm no longer playing professional sports you're going to be diving into something else. Like what was that beginning like for you? And then how did you see these right tools along the way to just be that good dude and do the right things? That's now ultimately scaling to who you are today. Uh, well, like any other hard lesson, you learn that by doing, by being the wrong dude, right. And doing okay. the wrong things. And, you know, I don't say that lightly. I say that with a great deal of intent because, you know, you know, when I was playing, I, very rarely, I don't even talk about baseball much because it's such a, I don't, it's not a taboo. I, everything I learned, I think, positive and negative, came out of baseball in some way, form, or another. Uh, and I love the sport dearly. Um, I just fucked that opportunity away, just plain and simple. Um, and I tell my guys and girls that all the time. And, it, and it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm, I've learned to accept with time. Uh, however, it took me a minute to get through that. And I say that because, like, you know, I didn't give that life the respect that it earned, much like a lot of our younger versions didn't. You know, we try to just kind of bamboozle our way through it, right? And uh, it ended up biting me in the ass. And I always tell the baseball god, serve me the, the piece of pie that I needed. Um, I was good enough to play. I wasn't great. I was a hard worker, but I could have worked harder. Uh, I spent more time chasing girls in the bar than I did perfecting my craft. All the things that I see young young professionals do on a regular basis, I was doing it just in the sport of baseball, which was my job at the time. And, um, you know, I broke my leg at a collision at home plate. And I would say that next day was day $1.00 for me. Um, because for me, uh, all I knew was baseball. That's all I knew. You know, I never really had a skill or a craft because I was, when you get to that level of baseball, you, it's all you do is you hit and throw baseballs. And... Um, you know, I had every intention of, you know, playing baseball and it was a great, uh, it was, it was a great piece of humble pie that I needed in my life in order to redirect it for uh, what I honestly feel is to try to make the world the best place that I can with the skill set that I have by helping other people change their life. And I, I think I always say God works in mysterious ways. And I just think it was one of those ways where it was kind of like, Hey man, this isn't what you're meant to do. You're not really in love with this process. I know you think you're in love with this process, but I'm going to go send you down this journey over here and you're going to go fall in love with that process. And you won't know it yet. And you're going to be really confused. However, this is what's going to happen. And it's, you know, it's taken, you know, that happened in 2000. I was drafted in 03 or four is 04 or five. I can't remember. I broke my leg. And um, 
you know, it's taken me 15 years, right. Of, of, uh, fi- figuring out who I am in order to try to do my best and, and leaving the, the world a better place than I found it. And that's a mission that, uh, I don't take lightly. And, um, you know, you think I got our hundred thousand hours in hitting baseballs and throwing baseballs. And, you know, I went to college, you play baseball, you, summers, you play baseball. Everything I did was playing baseball. And one day it's over. And I think a lot of people see us in a position now, and Andrew has a, a, a similar but different story, you know, and they're like, well, it's different. And, I, and I'm here, like I was 24 years old, 25 years old. It wasn't different. I had zero, I had zero dollars, man. I made $600 every, every two weeks playing baseball, 600 fucking dollars. You know, like I lived in my mom's house. I was dead broke. I'm fucking dying. So people are like, oh, it's different. No, it wasn't different. Uh, I understand that feeling of, of depression a great deal, of being lost, feeling alone. Uh, I actually got a dog, so I didn't feel alone. Uh, Louie hangs in my office here. He's dead now. but um, And I, I had to go back into the regular world, if you will, that you call it civilian life. Uh, it's very similar from an athlete perspective because you, you're in a different realm over here. When you come back in, you're different, like you just are. And um, I remember, man, I went back, and I'm like, what, what am I going to do now? And I had one buddy selling copiers, and he was, he was making the most money out of any of our friends. And he was making, I don't know, probably sixty-five, $70,000. You know, we were young. And so, well, fuck, I can sell some copiers, I guess. You know, so I had to go. I went, remember, I went to Men's Warehouse, picked up two suits, went and job interviewed, got a job, and I was slinging boxes. And, you know, overnight, you get to, it was a, it was a tough pill to swallow because you go from being, you know, hot shit to no shit in about a matter of a 48-hour swing uh, now, mind you, from the time I broke my leg to the time I got a job was about 18 months of rehab and, mm-hmm. you know, constantly going back. And then I didn't pass my physical and it was this whole up and down road and I was drinking too much. And then I got turned on to pain pills because of my leg. And then I had booze and pain pills. And for anybody who's been down that road, they understand that's not a good road. That's not a good one plus one. Um, that two is not two. It ends up being like negative 200. But, you know, I had to learn to battle those things and they were all part of my little journey. Um, and they're all part of my little story now. Um, but I had, I remember going back in and interviewing for a copier job and I remember walking out and I got the job and I was excited, but then I got in my car and I remember thought, well, how the fuck did this happen? And you, 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 you dip, you dip into the poor me, you know, and you dip into the why me and I could be that guy. And, and, um, you know, so I went through a little stint and I, I got out of it, you know, and I think, you know, anybody who struggles with mental health understands there's some highs and some lows and, and just kind of like baseball, I went after copiers and I said, man, I, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be the best at it. That's what I'm going to try. I'm going to try to win. And I always tell this story and, it, and it's kind of funny, or at least I think it's funny. So I'm going to tell it. Will you'll probably laugh. Eli, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you got to think 18 months prior, man, I'm, I live in St. Louis. So I'm playing for the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, 23 you'd walk into a bar i mean dude I, like i worked out with albert Pujols, ryan howard john may all these guys who are you know the big ticket big leaguers we you know we we'd go out like we train together i'd go in any bar and it was you know it was fun man i had a lot of fun there's a lot of lessons i learned in my young 20s man and i was exposed to a lot of shit that was a lot of fun and you know just 18 months later here i am guy at the end of the bar wearing a pinstripe suit you know, trying to get a date and asking somebody like, Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a technology specialist. Tie halfway on, right? Like your shirt's yeah, dude, already I mean, untucked. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was one of those things that, 
I can tell you that the dating life was a hell of a lot easier when I played than when I was selling copiers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I, you know, I had to, you know, first day you had to go get a hundred business cards. Like I, like the, the early starts of a, of a sales career, like, a, you know, I went through it and, and um, you know, I, I did well, I, I sold, you know, I was top salesman at, at, uh, at Icon at the time, progressed my way through as a national, as the youngest national sales account. I was only there for two years. I was already a national sales account manager. Um, got an opportunity to work for Johnson and Johnson in the med device field. Uh, I, I cashed in on that opportunity figuratively and literally, and, um, you know, got into med device and, and, uh, had a lot of fun in, in med device. In fact, you know, they say Johnson and Johnson has some of the best sales training in the world. And I'd like to think that, uh, I tried to take my, the best advantage of it that I could. And, and I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, it took me, I was there for five years. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was a top earner rep of the year. I you know, I made significant, you know, pretty significant amounts of money for a young man. Um, but man, it just wasn't doing it for me. Like I just, like I realized, and I'm not one of those guys who are like, Oh, money doesn't matter. Money matters. Money matters a great deal specific, specifically when you're trying to set your family up for a lifestyle and, 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 and give your children and, or your family, you know, things that you wanted as a kid. And, but I, I was not finding the fulfillment that, that I wanted. Um, and it's just cause it wasn't gratifying. Like it, the checks would come through and it wasn't, I didn't feel, it's not that I didn't feel good about what I did because I love the company that I work for. Um, and, and I didn't mind what I did. It's just that I, I was young, man. I was 28. I'm like, this is what I'm gonna do the rest of my life. Like I'm going to walk into ORs and, and talk to doctors for the rest of my life and, and ask them to please use my product. And, and I'm not above doing that. It's just like, I couldn't, I, I was in my head, I had more in a tank and, and, you know, at the time I was very fortunate. And this is the thing that, that I am extremely thankful for is, you know, Andrew and Chris, they had a, a set of supplement stores called supplement superstores, and they were having success in, in helping people change their life. And this is where Andrew and I's journey like cross paths because you had kind of hinted early about not worrying about sales. Andrew's, Andrew has a great story about how he's realized one day, like, fuck it. I'm just going to help people lose weight. And if I'm good at it, we'll fucking win. And guess what? He started helping people lose weight. And this is about the same time. And the business started taking off and we crossed paths. And Andrew has a, a great, he's I, from a visionary standpoint, I don't think there's anybody better that I've crossed paths with um, from say, Hey, we're going to go here. Um, this is what I'd like it to look like. And my job, like I'm a good doer. He's a great visionary. I'm a great doer. So, and I understand Andrew's expectations. So we work really, really well together that way. And we kind of crossed paths at that time in our career and, and first form had, they just started it. Um, so like him and Chris, we sat down at a Starbucks, same Starbucks I go to every day. And, uh, they said, Hey man, you know, we're going to, we're going to take this supplement thing national. Would you be interested in doing it? And, you know, it was scary, right? We had some conversations and, and, uh, we had some, you know, back and forth and, uh, they, they paid me what every dime that they could afford, um, at the time, which was, you know, I was making six figures and they still paid me six figures. It was just greatly reduced six figures. But I knew that that was a huge investment for them at the time. It was a huge risk because we had zero sales, right? I'm going to turn these lights back on. Sorry, guys. I kind of liked how sultry it was, to be honest with you. It was, man. I was thinking that too. (laughs) Right when like your paths crossed and like you're taking this leap of faith, the lights went down. It was, (laughs) dude, it was, uh, you're, you're not a director. I should be directing this. You should just be telling these amazing stories. 
and I got seen a few movies. Made a few. <laughs> but uh, the um, Sal's OnlyFans, you yeah. can find his movies there. <laughs> Only caps. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so and and you know what? And and I took the leap, and you know I was young. I was making you know three four hundred thousand dollars a year, and went down to you know making a you know hundred hundred twenty five thousand. I forget what we started at. And all my friends said I was crazy. Yeah. And uh, I, I was a little crazy. It was scary, you know, because like I had the proverbial life by the balls. And um, but by this know, point, but, you had grown once. You had done the copiers, right? The printers. You had done medical sales. Like at this point, you've got some confidence that you can rely on yourself and shoulder something. If you can also kind of see it, right? Like you've got a little bit of confidence. Like, did you feel like you were? living again taking this thing on and was there some passion behind ground up again or was it just you finally believed in something and you had a little bit of faith that you'd figure it out in real time no i think that the, the thing about andrew chris and i is we've been doing this shit together for a long time like we were all we were andrew and chris were best friends in high school chris is like my older brother we've been doing shit together for a long time and everybody's like oh you shouldn't work with family and oh you should why are you going to take that risk you don't have to take the risk but it's like we've always had fun and we've always figured it out. That's what I've learned. And they, you know, a lot of people from the outside, they don't see that stuff. Right. And so there was like a blind faith in from their perspective to me and from me to them. Like I knew uh, that they were taking a big risk and they knew that I could deliver. Right. But I knew that what they believed in and what they had was special. And they knew that I was special because we've been together for a long time. And so it's like anything else in life. Like if you're going to go, if you're going to go get down with it, like let's get your fucking buddies and go. And, um, they've, we've always been that way together. And so, I mean, yeah, was it invigorating? I think it was for the first four weeks. And then you realize, holy shit, I got a big uphill battle to climb here. You know what I mean? I mean you're not a I crossfitter. You're a baseball guy. We don't necessarily like all the workouts, right? We don't like all those uphills. Listen, bro, at 28, 29 and that, like, I'm a pretty confident individual, but I'm, I'm, I'm different. I've grown a lot as a, um, I think, I, I think I've grown in a lot of areas, but humility, I would like to think is probably one of the things that I've learned the most by getting, because I've eaten a lot of shit sandwiches, but, um, you know, that I, I'm going to go take the world by the storm. We'll be doing $10 million and, you know, in the next two years, blah, 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 blah. I got my fucking ass beat, man. Mm. I'd walk in these stores first two, first form. I'd be driving all over the country. I'd spend, you know, 10, 12 days in a row in a row. Like no, they didn't know who the fuck I was and they had no reason to know who I was. You know, social media was non-existent at the time. So it was just, you know, one door at a time, one customer at a time, one interaction at a time. And I've, I've been in more CrossFit gyms, bat, uh, 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 standard gyms. I've sampled outside every, every single supplement store in this country I've been into and or out in front of. And, you know, just meeting one person at a time, trying to have one good positive interaction at a time. And I, I think the, the majority of our wholesale base uh, to this day is still, there's still, there's still people that I interacted with 10 years ago who took a chance on us uh, and who have believed in us. And I never forget that. And, you know, it took three or four years to get your teeth kicked in until we got a little bit of traction. Um, you know, we were, we were fortunate enough to be early adopters to, to social media. And it's funny because, you know, at that time, we were still kind of in your 30, 31, 32, like we had no kids, you know, there was, it was, we were just all starting to get married. Like we were still more worried about getting jacked and, you know, mm -hmm. lifting heavy weights and, <laughs> and, you know, but we always had fun, man. Like we yeah. always, you know, we always drank beer and we always had fun. And we were always like, if we went to a trade show in Vegas or whatever, we were always like the beer drinking guys. 
from, from Missouri and everybody, you know, they probably made fun of us like, Hey, we're out tipping cows and driving pickup trucks, but we always had fun. And, um, when social hit, we just kind of put that online. Like, Hey man, this is who we are. Um, this is what we do. And if you like us, you come join, you know, and, and we started to have, you know, a little bit of success that way. And again, you know, cross, cross that, you know, Andrew took a, a, a great risk or leap of faith in personal branding, which at the time was mm-hmm. really scary. And, uh, you know, we, we learned to utilize and, and harness the ability uh, of both brands to, to make them both successful. Right. And so, um, at the time social was really scary and it was nervous. Like, you, you know, a lot of people don't realize this now, but or maybe they do because they go try to do a story and they get, you know, they get real kind of nervous and, you know, finicky. Well, imagine this back before social media, when social media was like, you had 15 seconds to make a video on Instagram and try to sell something. Like we, do we, you, we used to put fucking wrestling mask on. So nobody knew who we were. So they couldn't identify us when we saw them in public. <laughs> so oh if I see any Nacho Libre only fans, that might be you. Bro, that like that Might is be us. you. <laughs> that is us. <laughs> times are tough. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. That's that sign. You know, whatever it takes, we're ready. But you know, like those early days of social were fucking scary, yeah. man. Because like it wasn't normal at the time. Like mm-hmm. it was totally pioneer, if you will. But you know what? We realized like if you're good to people and you have fun, like you can attract a you can attract a, a community. And and you know, <clears throat> we transitioned as we got a little older to where, dude, we were both of us, Andrew and I both took the journey the same year, five years ago, uh, for the, my transformation starts today contest. And we were both fat. We were both unhappy with where we were. Um, and we were both willing to, to be extremely honest with that journey. And, you know, I think that journey kind of set the tone for where we're at now, six, five, six years ago of, Hey man, we're just like you. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's what fitness that, needed not to butt in, but uh, that's, that's what fitness needed. And when you guys were doing your stories and, and going on social media, were people able to order your product online as well, or did it have to come from like a brick and mortar store? No, we, 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 when we started Instagram, we really focused on the direct consumer business. And I like um, that. And, and here's why, because I was in the, I was, you know, doing like the fit republics and stuff when you, when you guys were, when you guys really started blowing up with, with first form, like I was, I'm probably one of the rarities that has an opportunity to hang with you guys. That was also in that industry in first and foremost, Hey, we're just like you. Hey, being healthy is not being a bodybuilder per se, if that's not what you want to do. And getting into real lifestyles and real health and real change, that's exactly what that industry needed. And I love that you guys were direct to consumer because I I feel your pain when you walk into a, a brick and mortar store or a bodybuilding show. It's like everybody had their three, four, five products that they loved pushing because their homeboy was a sales rep of it. And you're walking in with this new, improved or this better product. And then the meathead at the counter didn't want to fucking hear you, man. And it was almost like the, 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 the people representing fitness were their own worst enemies, but you get to direct to consumer and then you start just being a guy that just wants to change his life. But then you start exposing how just taking care of your body and taking care of your mind was making you a better dad and a better businessman and certain things, such a breath of fresh air and exactly when it was needed, you know, I think, you know, there's a couple things we always say real real results, real people. And then our athletes are real people. And there's a video um, that we put on the internet that Andrew, Andrew did, I don't know how, however many years ago. And, and he made a statement and that statement's always rung extremely true to me uh, because I knew the, I knew the, the financial position we were in at that point, it was good, not great. 
it was healthy, but certainly not what it needed to be in order to sustain because, um, you know, we were, we were taking a huge risk by putting ourselves out there and it's scary. And Andrew said, I, I don't care whatever the fuck I got to do. If we go out of business, that's okay. I can go. I'm okay with that, but we're going to go down swinging and we're going to go down helping real people with real results, building culture back through fitness. And I remember like watching that, you know, watching him say it. And I, and I thought to myself, like, that's it, man. I'm like, fuck them. You know, like these, this entire industry has been built around, you know, Oh, look at me. Look how pretty I am. And look how jacked and tan I am. And you know what, man, I'm a fat guy. Like I struggle with weight my entire life. I'm never going to fucking look like that. And it's an, it's an unrealistic expectation for me. And these, these companies were profiting or really in these extremely predatory uh, processes of selling weight loss and selling wraps on lying to people and getting them to change their life. And that's what happened, you know, in the, in the bro life, right? It's like, bro, I take this. It's like, no, you're not, bro. You're taking a whole bunch of mm-hmm. fucking steroids. Like, don't mm-hmm. lie to me. Like, and some stupid. of those guys were genetically blessed their entire life. Yeah. Some of these guys were just shredded all the way through high school. We've got friends like that that still don't even know the difference in different types of carbohydrates that are literally winning bodybuilding shows. And there's oh, just yeah. a lot of, like, genetic to that. But it was mm-hmm. also... As social media was popping off, one of the negative pieces to it was Instagrams and the Facebook. There was such a visual representation of health and fitness mm-hmm. that was like that body. And that's all people had seen in, in that in that premature time of social media. As you guys started exposing the truth and just different ways to be like, you don't have to look like that. Some of us will never look like that, but there's ways of being healthy. I felt like that's the majority. And that's where, like, some of, like, the following came from just you guys being honest and being brave enough to stand up about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's – but you realize, like, and you're watching, you're watching social play out this way, right? Um, the, one, the one thing that we take a great deal of pride in out of these walls is, like, you're always going to get the truth. Not kind of the truth, not sort of the truth. Like, you're going to get the truth. And the truth is, is if you're going to set somebody up, uh, set somebody up for, for success in their weight loss journey, like, you have to – be honest with them and saying, Hey man, like this isn't going to be easy. It's going to be tough. What I can promise you is that it's going to be worth it. I can promise you that the sacrifice that you're going to commit is going to pay its dividend in the end to continue for you to push through those uncomfortable spots, not take this pill, not take this rap, not, Hey, it's, you know, like I'm different than you. I'm better than you. 10 minute abs. (laughs) It's like, we, you got to show people like what's fucking possible. Otherwise they lose all fucking hope in humanity and thinking like I'm different or I'm, I'm fucked or I'm, you know, I, this is, this is, you know, it's not for me. And so I'm just going to get fat and ruin my life and I'm going to ruin my marriage and not be the best dad I can be. I'm not going to play catch with my kids. I'm not going to have sex with my wife because they're being told a fucking lie. Mm-hmm. What happens mm-hmm. if we told them the truth? Mm-hmm. What happens if we said, Hey man, yeah. You know what? How bad you want it? If you want to come get down, like we, we got a plan to fucking get down and cost you a goddamn dime. It's going to cost you sweat. It's going to cost you investment yourself. It's going to be hard, but I can promise you it's going to be worth it. And we've taken that journey, not only from a visual standpoint, because Andrew and I are both fat guys. We've produced several times. We've gone up and down and understand it's in the journey, but we've told the truth and been honest to try to help people get the best results possible. And I think that's what ties us back to the beginning of, of, the podcast and understanding like, okay, like measured on results or taking a lifestyle brand and how do you measure a lifestyle brand on results? Well, 
we've been able to hopefully help you from a fundamental aspect of life, whether it's the MFCO project, whether it's through helping you build a business here at the Legionnaire program, whether it's by teaching you uh, how to gain control of your physical self, then we have the ability to, you know, service that need by selling products mm-hmm. right inside that, inside that zone. And then making sure that we do what's right by the customer. Like we, this is a lifestyle that we can help teach and set an example simply by leading by example and helping make the world a better place. That's why I think I'm the luckiest guy on planet earth. Mm-hmm. Like I come to work every day and as long as I do the right thing and I help people, we can win. And it's funny because I was sitting about, you know, the whole time we're sitting here talking and you're talking, I didn't know you came out fit Republic and I spawned in my head. I sat at that couch in Colorado <laughs> with Kurt building. We talked about in tech nutrition and I can tell you, yep. I can see Kurt's face in right now. So that's how like my, my brain works just so you know. Yeah, dude. And, and I remember, and, and when I was around, we grew that thing from two to 14 stores in yep. two years. That was, that was my timeline of being there. And it's nothing against Kurt, man. Super good dude. I think he had a, a different, a different model or different mindset on where he wanted to take it, you know, and if he ever wants to speak on that, cool, but there's no bad blood or anything like that. But man, when we talk, yeah, yep. Jason was my customer too in Kansas. You see how like I've been in, I've been in those stores, man. Dude, and <laughs> and you have in Kansas and Nebraska. Yeah, I, I want to know the context but to the some fucking switchblade coming out when he brought that <laughs> yeah. up. Hey, well, and, and and I remember like when he's talking about Intech, I I understand where yeah. that conversation is coming from because everybody was so tight on like, oh well, it's an exclusive, man. It's an exclusive. Like I'm I'm the only one yeah. selling it, so I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make the money on it. It's like hey, true, but at the same time people coming in, like if you're not changing their life and if you're only mm-hmm. serving them the same flavor of ice cream, hey, everybody likes different ice cream. Mm-hmm. At some point, people just want to shop around. If I, like if you look at S2s, you guys have a ton of product in your S2 stores. It's not just first form containers everywhere. You have a ton of stuff because you understand customer behavior and you understand, hey, if I'm bringing somebody to a brick and mortar, this is not first form, right? This is a brick and mortar store. I've got to adhere to that. I have to, I cannot lose my customer because I have the same four products in my store mm-hmm. and they were loyal to me, but they are tired of taking these and they're, they're looking for other stuff. And my biggest point when you're, when you have a brick and mortar is you've got to make sure that client is still loyal to you. You've got to adhere to any, any behaviors or curiosities they have with other products. Your mission is you shouldn't be caring what product you're taking in your store as long as it's good. And if it's in your store, well, then hopefully it's good and you sign off on it. But if they stop coming to your store, you stop having influence on their change, period. Right. right? right. And that was important. And uh, you guys know Austin, uh, Austin Evans, or um, Austin. Uh, Austin Evans. Is, it, is that his last name? Austin Evans. Um, St. Joseph in St. Yeah. Joseph. Good buddy of mine. Love that guy. He came on as a franchisee um, when I was when I was uh, number two. Uh, in command for, for Fit Republic and loved his ambition, loved his energy. He's really done the right thing there. And I know he's close to home for you guys. I know he's learned a lot um, just from what you guys do. And he's got some, some, you know, some mutual friends of you guys. And, um, and he does it right. Mm-hmm. Now, with yeah. that, he's a great kid, right? And does it right. And like with that being said, no bad blood with any of my past employers. But I broke off of that because I felt like I had more in the tank for myself. And at the end of the day, that was mm-hmm. not my company. And it was like, I have this feeling of wanting more impact and more influence and I want to scale. But at the end of the day, I got to be able to guy, I got to be the guy in a position to, to pull the trigger on the risk and on, on the direction I see things fit, even if it's scary, mm-hmm. but it's right, you know, and something that, and that's something that you guys do, but I, I still fall back on your guys's app, your process <laughs> of how you help people change your life. You're not just full of shit. You're not just mm-hmm. going out there saying the right things you have the right tools and process and is in, in place to actually help them. And then the mm-hmm. products, Hey, we're not just wanting to give somebody a good product. We actually give them a good product. 
And those things matter so much. Like, and I, I want to make that an outlier as you talk about how much you're helping people. You have a good process. There's a good system there. You know what I mean? Like there's education behind how you're helping people lose weight with that app. There's education behind what you're putting in products to make sure that they're safe and effective. And on top of that, it's you guys wanting to, to make that change. And I think, again, I'm, I'm beating this dead horse and, you know, with this whole thing, but everybody's so quick to want to help or want to do the right thing. And they, and they completely skip a step of themselves being a great product or they're not selling the best products in their stores but they're talking the best game inside of that store that you want to help someone. And really you're just a gimmick. And what's the, you're going to bring, you're going to bring one of those scales into your store or, or, or Hey, you're going to do this in your store. But in reality, like, Hey, the shit on the shelves, like you're not even starting from a good place with it. And it's just like, Hey, what's the next gimmick to trick people into coming here versus creating that culture of where people just don't want to leave. Well, I, I found a great deal of safety and, and always, when I, when I look at a customer, no matter who they are, I always say, like, this is my mom. How would I want them to be treated? This is my grandma. Yeah. How would I want them to be treated? You know, yeah. This is my dad. How would I want somebody to walk them through that process? And, you know, there's a word that seems to get lost in, in the health and fitness space, and it's help. Like, I don't want to sell you anything. I want to help. I want to help you. Mm. Like, how can I help you? And in a lot of times, you know, I've learned that, um, you know, our customers that come through the transformation app, a lot of them won't, they won't buy first form products or they haven't purchased a first form product or they purchased some, somebody else's product and they just want help. They don't know how to take it. They don't know how to use it. And my job is not to sell them something at that point. My job is to help them get the results. Like my, our, still our promise is still in, in my blood. I don't help somebody based off of the product that they purchased. I help somebody based off of my, my, personal inner drive to make the world a better place than I found it. And that goes by helping one individual at a time and having one good solid conversation at a time and making sure that I can provide the education that I've learned, the experience that I have and help that person get down the road. And if I do that job well enough, that person may choose to support me in a financial matter. If I don't, I still know that I gave it everything I have and I still know that I did my role and I can still have a great cohesive relationship with that person. But I think all too often that we want to get into this. Well, you, 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 you buy from me and then I'll help you. It's, it it's, be. it's called manipulation. You're mm -hmm. giving with expectation mm -hmm. of someone doing something else for you. And that's, that's not right. help. That's manipulation. You're man. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. And you just said it spot on. It's like, Oh yeah, I want to help someone but then, hey, you got to do something for me versus, hey, hey, are you only helping them to manipulate and con them into a purchase? Or, or hey, are you helping somebody with no expectation from them? I just want to help them and do good. And if they take it and run with it and they end up being a customer, hey, that's awesome. It was done the right way. And if they're not, man, I feel so good that I did the right thing and I helped them the right way. You know, and it's so important that you said that. Super important. I, yeah, I think those interactions, man, like, it's going to sound really, really you know, I don't want to get off into a tangent. We can't, we can go down this road. I always feel like, you know, I'm going to be judged one day, right? You get to the gates and you're going to have to, you're going to have a scorecard. I've always played life with a scorecard. And <laughs> you're such a baseball dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's inherent conversations that go on in your life that only, you know, the truth and we all have them. And I think you're going to meet your maker one day and you're going to have to have those, you're going to have to lay those cards out on the table. And, and one of them is intent. You know, like, what is your intent? Like, what is your true intent and are the words that are coming out of your mouth truly aligned with what's in your heart and what's in your brain and what's in your soul? 
And that intent will have a scorecard. And although there is no scorecard in the per se life or in, in per se life right now, because there are people who can manipulate their way through the system and that you see them, right? Like you, we see them online, we see them everywhere. They're always kind of jiving and shaking to get something else going down to make money. But I believe in, if you're, if I'm truly honest with myself about helping people get better then then I need to help them. And sometimes that's going to come with a financial interaction, but in all regards to life, like my job is service, you know, it's to serve our customer base, to serve my friends, to serve my family and really to serve this world and try to do uh, and utilize the gifts that God gave me. And I'm not very smart in the sense of like, I'm not, I'm really not an intelligent person. Like you put me in front of a book, you got to take an ACT. Like I'm not your fucking Huckleberry. But if you put me into a situation where I can provide value, like, you know, if, if, if Will per se, like if I had to go over to the sandbox with you, like I might not be the best guy, but I'm going to do the best I fucking can. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do everything I can to be the best fucking teammate that I can so that we can deliver the best result that I can. And only I know the truth, right? Only I know if I really gave it hell and, 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 and I can lay my head down with a, a great deal of peace at night. And I told my staff this the other day is my goal in life is, you know, I've been talking about legacy for my kids for you know, seven, eight years. And you see it like the legacy where it's pretty interesting. We, some things we talk about in the podcast, we talk about them. Then you'll see the rest of the internet marketers, they go talk about it for like mm -hmm. six weeks and we'll talk about something else. And then a the downstream effect happens. But legacy for me is it's extremely important that that community of giving, helping uh, is ingrained back through my children. And we never know when we're going to punch our clock, right? We never know when that time's going to come. It could come tomorrow or tonight on the way home in an accident. It could come tomorrow. I could have a, you know, I could have a stroke. A million things could happen. But my job every single day is to do the best that I can in helping not only the people, our end user customers change their life, but, you know, helping the, the guys and girls uh, who I have the honor to go to work with every single day become the best version of themselves by giving as much information as I possibly can to help them develop that skill set. Again, it's a give. And I don't want anything in return other than their effort. I don't want anything in return other than the ability for them to take the gift that they have and give it back out. And I do that with the true intention of, of when I'm gone, that community, and the only ask that I have in return is that you guys raise my children. That's what I told them on Monday. And I said, you guys, like my job is not, I'm not sitting up here. I make a really good living. I'm not, this is not so Sal can make a little extra money. My job is to make the world as, as, as fundamentally sound as I could possibly contribute so that when I got to go punch my clock, I can look at that man and say, I gave it everything I had. And I gave it every single ounce that I have. I tried to help as many people as I can, whether it's lose weight, change their life, be a better dad, husband, brother, father, salesperson. I didn't give a fuck how I helped. As long as I was giving it motherfucking hell, he would know. And the best part is my kids would know. And my kids would ultimately know that their dad was a good man. And for me, that scorecard doesn't come with a dollar sign, doesn't come with a price tag, doesn't come because you bought a, a jug of protein. It comes with the interaction that you have with the human and how they remember how you helped them change their life. And if you can do that really fucking well, everything else will take care of itself. And, and that's my, that's my oath. That's where I'm at. And, you know, and it's uh, a great, it's a great balance powerful, too, man. man. Cause like I've got, I've got two big things you know, that I, that I take away from you, that I took away from you when, when we met the first time I had a, had a chance to chat, you know, off air and, and, and hang out for a day. I love your drive to be the best, <clears throat> but I just, I appreciate and respect the, um, the integrity behind it. And then 
how you also correlate that into your to your family life. And I think, you know, a lot of folks can struggle out there. I think we, and this is where like when you talk about intent and integrity and why it matters so much, because I think people are willing to do, you know, whatever it takes at all costs, quote, right, at all costs, mm-hmm. which is like breaking rules or, or certain things, but then somehow they think they're going to go home and not break rules or be good there. Mm-hmm. And well, Eli and I started figuring out real quick and we were just doing live Facebook when we, when Eli and I first started, <clears throat> it was Facebook live every Friday. Mm-hmm. It was like me and this fucking idiot just doing business. And we were mm-hmm. talking about what's working, what's not working, whatever's working. Like, how are we tripling down on it? Whatever's not working, how are we fixing it or getting rid of it? And Hey, how's, how's work life balance? How does, how does, you know, me being better at work, help me be better for my daughter. How does being better at home, Make me pay attention to be better at work. And the bottom line is you are not two different people. I know the alter ego book is out there and it's awesome. And But you're you're the same person. He just talks about having a certain mindset when you're approaching a certain theater, your work, your home life. But you're still you. You're not pretending not to be you. You're just you with a certain mindset. And you can't, man, like you, the only person you can't get away from is you. That's right. You know, and it's like I, you know, first and foremost, where did your, where do you feel like your passion to want to be the best, where does that come from? And, it, and and you and I can relate to this. You might not have been putting the work in in baseball, but it was fun to be the best and, and crush the fucking ball and play hard. And it was very organic to want to be the best there. But then all of that is taken away, right? Gone. Where did that, where does that passion to just get back up, get back in the fight and want to be the best? Like, where does that, where does that come from with you? I mean, I, I somebody asked me this, I did a podcast the other day and they were asking like, what, what's the number one characteristic that you could find in an employee that, you know, you can't teach them. And for me, you know, once I got my head out of my ass and I stopped feeling sorry for myself, which was ultimately the, the case after I broke my leg, um, I am dangerously competitive and I don't give a fuck if it's playing bags, chess, checkers, eating white castles, drinking beer. I don't care what it is. I got to be real careful. Like with how I, where I set my sights because like it will, <laughs> it will drive me into a hole because I'm so competitive. And even my guys, my guys and girls here at HQ know, like if you fucking challenge me, like I'm fucking coming. Like, Dude, you and are. And you keep making fun of Will cause he's not doing his part. And you and I are boys. <laughs> you, I finally threw enough. Oh, I finally shit. threw enough nudes your way that you followed me on Instagram. So you're so and I follow you and I was telling dude, this is how competitive I am. I'm talking to Eli about it and I messaged you one time. But you're you know, every day I'm watching your story, you were going on there giving Will shit. And I'm like, yeah. hey, motherfucker, who's this Will guy? Cause I can't hear that name and then getting my ass kicked. And I know it's not me, but it's like it's my name, and I don't even like the fucking energy of it. I'm like, hey, I need to talk to that guy right now. I gotta get that guy down there, or Sal, get that fucking will out of there and put me in there. And hey, let's play. So, dude, I couldn't even hear his fucking name in losing. And I'm like, I can't not watch Sal's stories. Like, that's not cool. That ain't cool. But I'm like, bro, I could not. I could not take it, dude. I could not take it. So he he is equally as competitive as I am. So he and we we've gone. Will's a hell of a competitor and he is, I mean, he's got a lot in the tank and he's beat me a lot more than I've beaten him. However, the, the few precious wins that I do have, I, I let him, I seem to let him know. You're riding those out. <laughs> I feel like Mellencamp should come on and we should play glory days just to like, let it ride. But it, um, you know, that competitive nature. And I, and I, I actually told our staff this about I know, 20 weeks ago or so we have a basketball court here at HQ and I am a terrible basketball player. 
But what I told him is that, you know, in order to win at life, you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do, but you have to have the unwavering ability. Like when you, when you get knocked down, not if you get knocked down, when you get knocked down, you're going to have to learn to get the fuck back up because you love it because you fucking dig it because you can't stand the fucking taste of the loss and you want that fucking victory. And, and Andrew and I differ in this arena. He always says he hates to lose. And I always tell him I love to win. Like there's a, and it's a dichotomy. It's like, I love the fucking taste of the win so bad. You'll get up. The flip side of that is he fucking hates the loss. So fucking bad. I'll do anything to win. And so, and I don't know which way is correct. Right. But I always tell people, I don't think they've had enough experience winning to understand and appreciate how, how good that Mm. is. And I told him, you know, and, and, and I challenge him. I say, hey, let's do a three-on-three basketball tournament. I don't give a fuck who we are or, or what happens. And I said, at the end of the day, I will be I will be in that fucking championship game, and I will fucking be standing. I promise you that. And I'm terrible at basketball. But he knows Kobe Bryant prior to his passing. He knows LeBron James. Yeah, well, <laughs> Tim Grover is, you know, a coach. He's got he's Michael Jordan's drill right, shoes in his right. office. Jordan, yeah. But, so who are the two guys on your team? Uh, I picked a guy and a girl. TJ was one of them. So TJ's an ultra competitive guy. And then we had a girl. So we had a female. So So it wasn't LeBron James and Michael Jordan. No, but nobody could bitch. It's like, Hey man, like, Hey, listen, I I picked (laughs) now. She she may or may not have played college basketball. I don't, you know, (laughs) funny story, funny story. She tore her ACL. So we had to have a sub and the sub kept coming in. And then Dan Bailey played with us one time. Actually, is it, so it was, and that's a handicap because yeah. Dan Bailey's five four on a good day. <laughs> five four, now the, the little guy can move, the little guy can motor. But <laughs> we we got into a situation where it was the perfect. It was like poetry in motion because, like, I wanted to prove to them, I don't need to know that I'm the best basketball player on the court because I'm not. What I'm going to prove to you is that I'm fucking competitive. You're going to know that I'm out there. That I can promise you. I promise you your head's going to be on a swivel and you're going to know that, that I'm in that fucking paint somewhere and I'm moving. I'm going to know my role and understanding that I'm not here to score points. I'm here to block, defend, pass, and I'm athletic enough to make sure that I can cover my bases. Now, where I'm a terrible basketball player, I'm a pretty good athlete, so I can, you know, I, I covered myself that way. But I'm not the quarterback, and I always tell people all the time, like, somebody's got somebody's to hike the football, somebody's got to throw the football. And sometimes my job's to throw the football and sometimes my job's to hike the football. And in this case, like, I'm not a scorer. So my job is to block, pass, shoot, or your your block, pass, let somebody else shoot, let somebody else take the glory. But if we're going to win, a winning team takes everybody to work in unison and understand, like, where are your strengths, where are your weaknesses, and how do we play as a team so that we can win? Now, TJ, God bless him, the kid can score. Well, guess what? It takes – you can't pass the ball to yourself. So I figured out how to get him in a position or get him the ball in the position to where he could score. And – I may or may not have had four or five fouls every game. But so, you're allowed to have those. You're allowed to have fouls. It's okay. I was just playing within the confines that they allowed. And 100%. so, you know, I had to let them know who was there. But my point in proving that is like, and I'm talking about like when I get out there, like I am, I get feisty. Like I can't, like there's something in my brain. Like when that switch goes on, like when we're competing, motherfucker, like it's going down. Like mm-hmm. we ain't. Like, if you and I are going to fight, like, we're going to fight. We're going to play fight. Like, if you if you said, hey, Sal, you want to box? And I was like, okay, cool, let's box. Like, I'm going out there to try to knock your fucking teeth, like, literally <laughs> out your asshole. Like, I'm not, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to hit you. It's like, no, 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 like, I'm ready. You know, yeah. like, here we go. But and you I can also take time- it. You can also take it, though. That's the com- that's part of the competitive side. That was, uh, that's yeah. what makes you a competitor, not a bully. Yeah. Because you can take no. those. No, like, yeah. listen, but... I mean, I will fucking, I mean, Nick Saban, your ass. I mean, that score will be fucking, I mean, I write it on the board. 
I tell we write it on every time I walk in there like on a Monday morning. Me, I'll walk walk by and just write twenty nine sixteen every once in a while just to let them know twenty nine sixteen in case you guys were wondering what the score was that final game that I won. Mm. In regards <laughs> in regards to your competitiveness, and this is where I, I feel like just personally, I, you know, the question for you. I love it, and I, you and I are very similar, you know, with, with those things. And how do you correlate that to being the best husband, being the best dad, being competitive with giving that time, being competitive with putting the phone down, being competitive with being in those moments and helping your son play play ball, and <clears throat> or give you know those moments to your wife? How do you? Is it competitiveness? Is it the same tenacity that that drives you and everything else that drives you to be the best dad, or does it? Does it, is it that you're so competitive here, it's very easy to shut it off and, and just tune out and enjoy the family? Like, where does it come from as far as, like, how well you you put so much time into that? I, I mean, this is going to sound like – I don't know what this is going to sound like, but I'm going to give you – I'm going to give you the answer that came to my brain because I believe in this. <laughs> like, some people, like, want to wear the, you know, world's best dad T-shirt or hat and, like, think it's cute or funny. But in my brain, like, I think, like, there's a mission inside my head. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the best motherfucking dad that you could possibly be. And I remember there was a guy once I was, well, how could you measure that? And I measure that based off of just, like, the level of success. Success is reaching your full potential, meaning what you're capable of, unless you're, unless you're in that realm, you're failing. Like, there's not a, there's not a A, B, C, D, everybody gets a trophy here. Like, and the ability for me to try to be the best dad that I possibly can be is for me to do and apply what I know best in every single situation that I can so that I can be happy. And what I've learned is, although I might not reach the pinnacle, um, it puts me in a great place where just like giving it hell every single day, like I can go home and lay my head down peacefully at night. Mm-hmm. But it's a cross, I think, in, in relationship land with whether it's a, being a father or a husband is being extremely disciplined to that because when competitive crosses discipline, uh, specifically with business, you know, if I'm going to be the best business person ever, well, then I got to compete 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Well, that's in fantasy land. Okay. Fantasy land doesn't exist. And what I've learned to uh, express is extreme discipline in each bucket, as I refer to them. And I think everybody has these buckets that they want to attack in life. And for me, it's fitness, it's family, and it's business. Um, and I attack those three, those three buckets with extreme discipline. And I, and I have this little schedule that, you know, that I talk about, people ask me about regularly. From 5.30 to 7 a.m., that's my time. I don't let anybody fuck with that time. That's my time. Nobody fucks with that time. If my wife wants to come work out with me in the morning at her home gym, she's, she's more than welcome. I like to read during that time, but that fills one of my buckets. One of my buckets is being by myself in peace and, and working out and making sure that, that I'm checking and filling that bucket. I don't let anybody rob that time so that I can fill that bucket for me. Bucket two is, is dad. Okay. Bucket two is dad and dad family kind of crosses into the same one here, but from seven to nine, I'm dad. I brought those kids into this world. I'm going to raise them. You know, I, I I'm, I'm going to cook them breakfast. I'm going to change them. I'm going to get ready for school. I'm going to take them to school. I'm going to play an active role because I'm not going to use the excuse of, well, I got to go to work. I got to go, I got to go, I got to go win at work mm-hmm. and put them into one of these situations where they're not raised by their dad because their dad was playing business. Right. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to be known as that dad. And for my, my version of success of being the best dad that I can be is being a parent and being present. 
but from nine to five, I'm businessman. Like I don't fuck around. I mean, you, you guys have been here. Like I, I don't like my schedule is run extremely tight. I don't go to lunch. I don't play golf. I don't go to baseball games in the middle of the day. I, and I always tell people, don't let people rob, rob your time. It's the number one, it's the number one thing that I've learned that's helped me create space between myself and, and maybe my friends or competition. I take nine to five as if the company's paying me money to be here. It's my obligation to be here. And I fucking take that with extreme discipline at five 30 or six o'clock when I go home, whatever, that's kind of a little floating number on the backside based off of some obligations. But from six to eight, I'm dead. I'm back in the dad lane, man. I put my phone down. I don't answer messages. I don't care if my brother texts me. I still like, he knows like from six to eight, he leaves me be. I'm, I'm unequivocally dad. I want to put him to bed. I want to get him out of the shower. I want to be present because I understand that life happens like, like that, man. It's fucking fast. And I don't want to miss those moments because I'm too worried about what's happening on Instagram at the moment, which is we are all guilty of in some level. Um, from eight to eight Oh one, I try to get laid. And from eight Oh one on I, I'm husband and whatever she wants to do, I'm down with, you know, if she wants to watch her show. I'll watch her show. Every other part of our life is about me or our kids. Mm-hmm. And I want that part of our life to be about us or her. And I want her to lead because I, I, my uncle John taught me this a long time ago. It's a great saying, feel free to steal it. In order for you to be King, you must have a queen because without a queen, you're not a King. And that's my time for her to queen. You know, she gets to direct, she gets to run show. I mean, she runs the kids and she, dude, she's, my wife's a fucking straight G and understanding that like she needs time to relax and it's my time to serve her, you know? And, and if I'm fortunate enough to get down, you know, Hey, listen, I, I want to do the best to do that too. Right. So, you know, making sure that I'm servicing, Hey, break a leg, <laughs> yeah, do whatever I got to do to get it. But you know, It's one of those things that like making sure that I'm applying my best ability and you can't be your best. You can't compete if you're one foot in social media, one foot with your kids, mm-hmm. one foot social media, one foot in bed with your, with your wife, one foot in social media, one foot at business. Like you have to learn to express discipline and then compete when you're in that window of being the best version of you that you can be. And I think for me, that offered me a lot of clarity because I'm able to fill the buckets that I want. I've, cr- I've cut out all the noise in my life from the standpoint of things that are not important to me in regards mm-hmm. to filling up my soul uh, and, and I've felt a lot more freedom because I have control of, of my schedule. I have control of my life. And, and I think if you struggle with being scatterbrained out the ass, that is something for me that has helped me, uh, a great deal, be extremely disciplined to what makes me successful and successful is not a monetary thing. Successful is being able to reach my full potential, which for me, I, I love fitness. I love business. And I love being a family man. Mm-hmm. And so I try to weed out everything else that does not fall into one of those buckets. Yeah. And we talk a lot of, and you talked a lot about like, Hey, some things you're going to have to do. You have to do some things that you're, that you don't want to do or that are hard or, you know, whatever maybe. And we talked about like the basketball as the example. And we talked about business and <clears throat> just have to be disciplined there and not always, it's not always about what you want to do and, and not letting the, the, your emotions have majority vote. Right. But getting it done. We also, and as, as men, right. Like as much as we think we're awesome, uh, being husbands or whatever it may be like, Hey, sometimes it gets harder. Sometimes the balance is harder, the attention or whatever it is. Is there something that in regards to being a father and a husband that has stood out? That's, that's harder or, and not necessarily the don't want, cause I know you want to be the best father and the best husband. So it's not necessarily like the don't want, but is there anything that just is like, 
harder to like dive into or harder to want to do or just you've had to force yourself to be a little bit more disciplined in the father husband world that does that make sense yeah, what are the don't want to do or what are the things you've had to really get better at in that in that in that audience as far as like to really achieving being a great a great person there yeah i, I mean it makes a, a great deal of sense because it's something that i personally struggle with a great deal um you know when i come to work i'm master of domain right if i mm. say jump they how high <laughs> i say left we go left i go right we go right <laughs> You have kids, you understand that, that that doesn't really work that way. <laughs> right. And if you're married, you certainly understand it doesn't work that way. And it's, a, it's very tough for me to flip the script and understanding that, you know, okay, some things in life you're not, you're not in complete control of. And how you, you can control how you respond to them, but you're not in complete control of it. You know, and, you know, relationships are tough enough. And I love my wife, and I, I honestly, I, I couldn't imagine having a better marriage. Um, Kids make that, they'll make that tough, man. It's hard because you can't control how your kids act for the most part. And I'm yeah. saying this, you know, like there's portions of life that, man, they just, it's fucking curveball, curveball, change up. And you're like, where's my fastball? You know, like what the mm -hmm. fuck here? And I'm in, I'm in complete control at work. And when I come home, I realize, man, like, you know, I'm not. And I have to take a different seat in the, in the car and understanding I'm a passenger. I'm not the driver. And that transition for me can be extremely tough because like I want it to be this way and I can't. So I have to attack it from a different approach. And, and usually as guys, I had this conversation with one of my younger leaders today. It's like, it's expressing your emotion in a way that you're not typically comfortable in doing it. And I think where my wife and I have a great relationship is I learned to tell her, no, I learned to tell her what I don't like. I've learned to tell her what I do like. I've learned to, to be completely transparent and honest. And so that when we're at home, when we have those conversations, she knows that it's coming from a place of like, I struggle to do that sometimes. And if I'm, if I'm in a bad mood, you know, or if I'm, if I'm struggling to communicate, we can sit down and have a good conversation and it makes that, that transition a little bit easier. But all too often, because our ego gets out in front of our skis, like we want to fucking win and you're willing to fight to win. And it's like, man, some things it's just not worth fighting for because you're just not jiving at the communication level. She's usually, she didn't do anything to piss me off. I'm just pissed off. Right. Like, so if I can let her know, like, Hey, listen, I'm having a bad night. You know, I'm going to need you to pick up a little more slack tonight. And this is why that good piece of communication can save me from having a terrible night and us having an argument or a fight. Whereas, you know, the younger version of me comes home and I'm a blaze this fucking, I'm a burn this motherfucker to the ground regardless. And I think, you know, relationships are tough enough in general. Kids are tough enough in general. And if you can learn just to clearly communicate like, Hey, listen, like I'm had a bad day or Hey, I've had a great day or recognize when they've had a bad day. Hey, you got to pick up a little more slack tonight or Hey, you can let go of a little bit more slack tonight. And instead of learning to drive your agenda, which is what I get to do at work every day, learn to learn to be a passenger in that car. And I've learned that through a good communication, um, you know, and, and, and open communication, honest communication, you can have a much smoother transition from work to home. If that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. Something that I struggled with, uh, be, and be, it's because we're very similar. Like every, everything that we do, we're on all day. Right. And then if we have anybody coming to us with a bitch, a moan, a complaint event in our professions, right there, even if they don't ask for it, they're asking for Eli and I's rebuttal. 
to fix something, right? So my wife would be talking about her day or certain things. And here I am giving what I think is, is I'm responding to her how I would respond to people at work, even if I was responding kind. But to her, what I was doing was giving unsolicited advice, Right. And so we would, we would like bother each other. And then I became a know-it-all and I'm a God and I'm, and I'm like, motherfucker, no, like that's no, that's not true. I don't think I'm that. And that's obviously her being sarcastic in an argument and like stabbing the bear and then me having to, Hey, cool. But in reality was it was a lack of communication. I was doing what I did all day. So it was just, I mean, I was just falling right into place with her. And my intent was thinking I'm doing what I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing here. Hers was not, she was just venting or just expressing some things, but now what I'm doing is unsolicited. And it was that, it was the communication behind, Hey, my intent was good and please understand my day. And this is why it's also so important for your significant others to know what you do. You can't always just go home and say, you're busy. Oh, how's work? Good. Busy. Like we don't talk about it at length, but she does know what I'm involved is in what I do and what people need for me at work and what my role is. And it helps her make more sense of like why I was sitting there trying to be a, trying to tell her what to do when in reality I was just kind of still in work mode. I've been home for five minutes and I'm hearing something and I'm, man, I'm just falling right in, I'm just domino effect, right? I'm falling right into play of what I do all day. And then her communicating to me like, Hey, sometimes I wouldn't mind that from you, but it's not all the time. Sometimes I'm just talking or venting or just, you know, whatever that is. And it was like, man, the communication behind just both, both of our perspectives it helped take the judgment or the assumption that someone was was being negative, or or condescending to one another, and it was and it was huge. So spot on as far as like just learning how to communicate, talk about it. Yeah, and, and I I mean, I think as as guys as especially as like competitive alpha males, if you know that sense, you know, I've shared that similar struggle with communication in regards to, you know, we're hard, we're not very good listeners at times, and. I think becoming a good listener at home taught me that becoming a good listener at work can actually be extremely valuable if I choose to listen and then hear the message that's actually coming through. Because a lot of times, like we want to, we're getting the message, but we've already, instead of just sitting down and digesting it, you're like, mm-hmm. your natural response is to shove, shove that answer right back at them. And sometimes they don't want an answer. Sometimes they just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to, to take the two ears and one mouth, right? You, you got, they always say, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. I try to take the two ears and one mouth approach with, with my staff and, you know, knowing when I need to listen and knowing when they're asking for advice is two totally separate things. And I've learned to your, to your point exactly, um, at home, you know, sometimes I need to listen. Sometimes she's asking for advice and there's a clear delineation between the two. And if I can learn to listen, like pay attention to what she's saying, I know which one she's asking for, but if I'm one foot in, one foot out, mm-hmm. I'll listen and digest back out. And and usually that doesn't end up to my favor. Oh, she's going to let you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you choose the wrong one, like you're going to know because either because eight to 801 happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or she's still in that bathroom doing whatever the hell she wants to do. And you're like, hey, it's, right. it's 810. Where are yeah. you at? Oh, I must have been telling you what to do today. That's I get right. it. <laughs> no, that's I'll awesome, man. And I got to, I got to, and I want to let, I don't know if Eli has questions. I tend to just talk over. Just run into here, bro. I'm good, man. Eli, dude, Eli eats up being like behind the scenes and doing his thing. And then I'm just to blame for everything. That's how that goes, Sal. Um, (laughs) He's, he's, he's a dude, man. Him and I have a great balance as far as like, and this is something that, you know, we've been talking about. We, we do pretty well naturally at it, but now we're putting more focus behind it after talking to you and your brother. 
of whose roles or what, you know. But one thing that I want to credit to him and I is we've always been comfortable in our roles and there was never any ego. You know, like if someone was just more of the face or taking more lead mm-hmm. on something, there was never any ego behind both of us trying to fight over things like that, you know. Um, we, wouldn't have made, we wouldn't have made it as far as we have if there no. was, like even week one, man. If there was another Will in the same room as Will, <laughs> that would not fucking See, fly. he says those things, <laughs> and I don't know if that's a compliment or not. You know <laughs> I think it's a testament, right? I mean, listen, um, we always say, because Andrew and I fight, yep. not like we don't fight regularly. We're, we're good for one every couple of years. But I mean, we, you know, listen, we got, we have firm conversations on a regular basis, but there's an understanding like we both want to win. Yeah, it's not, yeah. never has it been like, I want to shoot the video so I get the credit. No, I want to shoot the video so I get the credit. No, it's, hey, motherfucker. Whose whose job is it to get this thing done so that we can win? You yeah. know, and it goes back to the to the basketball or quarterback analogy. Like, you know, hey, quarterback gets all the attention, make a lot of money, but that left tackle, the guy who protects the quarterback, that motherfucker makes a lot of money too. And yeah. I bet you, you know, you can't name me Tom Brady's left tackle. No, but I bet you Tom Brady can. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And mm-hmm. understanding that it takes a team to tango in that sense, and understanding that like, hey, you got a role, you need to know when is your time to perform and when is it not? Yeah. And, and being the know, quarterback's not always fun. So everybody out there that maybe is not no. the quarterback, but has a desire. Cause you also have to have some self-awareness when you're putting people around you and you're building something like, I don't always want to be who I am. Right. And like, sometimes it is frustrating. And I talk to Eli about it because sometimes I tend to be the bad guy with having certain conversations with people because my intuition, my emotional intelligence or just the way I'm pegging something. Like I see it, I feel it. I know it. Like we've got to sit down. I'm also decent at articulating and problem solving, not just bitching somebody out. It's not about that, but it's about problem solving, setting control measures to make sure these things don't happen again and moving forward. But there's a lot of weight behind having to always be that mm-hmm. dude, you know, and there's some things and there's, there's a lot of weight when you're a losing quarterback. There's a, like, or you throw an interception to lose the Super Bowl on the last play of the mm-hmm. game. There's a lot that comes with that. So if you're not prepared or if that's not you, you're not going to, you're not going to handle that well, which is more reason why you've got to be who you are. Because you're going to have a flow there, and you're going to shoulder everything you have to with the pros and the cons. But, man, it's in the team suits in the military world. You know, you'd be surprised what people can accomplish or a small team of six Marines can accomplish when nobody's trying to take the credit. Mm-hmm. And we're just out there putting the work in to accomplish something. Well, and I, I think, you know, I mean, the military is a great example, right? If you're a sniper, sniper. You're a door kicker, you're a door kicker. But we both need each other. I've never kicked in the door, but I bet you it's a hell of a lot nicer knowing you got somebody over, over overwatch, like taking eyeballs and that team aspect, understanding like we're in this thing together. Um, and you could take that back to your home life, you know, like, and I, I think a lot of times, you know, I tell my guys all the time, like, you know, Hey, I don't want you telling your, your wife or significant other exactly what we do. Like meaning, I don't want you to say, Hey, this is the system we use. This is how it works. This is what, you know, everybody makes. Like, I don't want that stuff out, but like, Hey, we ask a lot of our employees and this is a team effort, man. Like let them, you know, they want to help win too. And everybody mm-hmm. wants to be a part of the, of the winning team, right? Like let them, let them, let them help you win. And you know, and a lot of times those fights happen over work in that sense. And it's like, you realize they're probably likely trying to help you too. Remember this is your wife or husband, like these people, they signed up to life to be next to you. Yeah. Let them be a part of that win, right? Let them taste that, that life. So I don't know. I hear you. I got a last question for you. It's one, and you probably don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. I kind of posted about it the other day, and I said I'm still asking about it. 
you know, resourcing others, still asking about it, still praying about it, still grinding about it. Like the measure of a man, you know, not necessarily from just like an alpha dominance, not a cliche statement, but like, is there anything, is there anything that guides you? Is there any, is there any way you judge yourself or, or see yourself from a certain perspective? Is there anything that, that moves you forward as far as like, you know, or your interpretation of like, Hey, what is that measure of a man? You know, and how do you push that forward? What's your scope on that now with where you sit with business, where you sit with family? What's that measure of a man? What do you think? I don't know that I can answer that for everyone. I think um, I'm very confident in answering it for myself. Um, I think it's going to be, it's going to vary. For me, I I touched on it a little bit. Uh, A measure of a man you know, in today's society can be a multitude of things per the individual. But for me, a measure of me, my man, is to fulfill my obligations with the gifts that I've been given. And I've been given the gifts of, of health. I've been given the gift of this, this opportunity that I have at first form. And the measuring stick, the bar, if you will, of what I feel I'm going to be judged against is how much humility I'm able to attack this process with every single day and truly genuinely being able to look myself in the mirror at the end of every single day and said, I maximize the opportunity that I had today and being able to take those days and stack them on top of each other. And that goes, I tell people all the time, there's only one way to lead and it's by example. And the measure of a man is, is not what you post on Instagram. It's who you are at your core. It's who you are at your soul. It's when you shake another man's hand, you look him in the eyeballs, like there's a language that goes down there, whether you want it to or not. And, you know, leading by example is in today's world, uh, I would say it's a lost art because like what you see is a, a lot of fake news um, in the sense of per- people portraying what it is or how cool they are. And, to me, but measuring a man is, is not a amount of money. It's amount of character and integrity that they live with on an every single day-to-day basis. And it has no idea whether you fly around in a, uh, in a private jet or drive around in a, in a jalopy pickup truck, you know, you can take pride in things of, you know, making sure that you're leading by example of cleanliness of car and taking care of yourself. Um, you know, hygiene, you can treat your wife with respect. Um, you can be an example, stand up, when the, when the situation gets tough, when your voice shakes, when it scares the shit out of you, but you know it's wrong, you got to stand up. And that's a living, breathing thing that you have to live with. Um, we see it every day in society. You know, people will back down from that, from that itchy situation because it makes them uncomfortable. And it's in those times when men lead. Um, I think, you know, a man of character is, or uh, integrity is walking character, right? So you look at like, what does, what does integrity stand for? What, what is, what is a man of character? And I think a man of character set the example for his children. And I look at it like when you harvest one tree, one tree leaves. Did you plant two seeds, three seeds, four seeds? Because what I've seen by the world is, you know, we have, we have two options. We can stand up and fight with core values. And we can stand up and fight with what it means to be an American or what it means to be a good human. Uh, or we can, we can hunker down and run. And we can, we, can, we can fold to what it is that society wants us to think is acceptable. And, um, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough stand in, in today's wind, right, in today's headwind. It, it gets uncomfortable to stand out there, but I'm going to raise my children that way. Um, a man of character gives his employees the best life and or coworkers 
the best effort that he possibly can every single day so that they can live their best life. Not, not a selfish act. Um, what can you do for me, but a giving act, what can you do for them? Um, and when you think about, you know, the, those tie back to my three buckets, right? My legacy in the sense of, you know, I want my son to know how to, how to treat his, how to treat his wife. And I want my daughters to know what a man should be measured by. And I want them to, to think every time they looked at that person that they decide or consider marrying, I'm the measuring stick in which that character integrity stands by. And I'll be damned if I'm ever going to waver on that and, and, and let them think that that's an acceptable, uh, an acceptable give, if you will. And so I, I, I try to take that same course of action to my employees here at HQ and understanding that our time, our time is not infinite. One day they're going to punch your clock. And those words that they say when you're sitting in that little wooden box is everything that you work for, everything that you live for every single day is the magnitude of the message that stands on that little gravestone. And your children are the only way that thing's going to be carried on. Or in my sense, the, hopefully the community and how, they're, how they speak of me and represent me and my children and how they live by my example. And so, and my wife and, and how she remembers me if I, if I do go first. And so though I can't answer that for every man, you know, I can, I can tell you that's what I think uh, my measurement of man is. Um, you know, it's not how jacked and tan I am. It's not how much money I have in the bank. Uh, it's not measured on whether I can go hunt deer, which some people get confused there. Um, it, it matters that I can provide a set of values in which my family can live by uh, so that they can remember and teach their kids how important they are because how impactful they are to them. That was long-winded. Probably couldn't write it on Instagram, but that's how my heart felt. <laughs> no, man, it's yeah. good. And it's, I think, and again, this is what's so fun about podcasts, man, and long-form content is – I'm not fit. I'm not fitting you into a 16 second Instagram story. I'm not fitting you into a, yeah. a a minute and a half, you know, social media commercial. It's like, Hey, if people want to come back to this and listen to it four different times, you know, during different workouts, or if they want to listen to the whole thing, start to finish. The important thing is we just get those. We, we have unlimited amount of time per se, right. For, for a little play on words here on these podcasts and go as long as they need to go in order for people to express what they say. And my only other question was just, how are you attacking every day? Like it's still day $1.0, but I think you answered it. I think everything you talked about with the measurement of a man and your obligations and commitments and the integrity you want to have with yourself to what you're giving to everybody else, standing up for what's right, not with an agenda, <clears throat> not when it's convenient for you, not when it works in your direction, right? Like clearly you guys standing up and taking a stance for what you're doing right now, it risks your podcast. It risks certain things, you know, but that those things don't matter being you know standing up for what's right matters just like you're not worried about a sale you were concerned about taking care of people and it's mm -hmm. the same thing you guys do with taking action hey we're going to stand up for what's right oh that could hurt your podcast views or hey they could demonetize you it's the same thing of like people you guys worrying about that would be the same thing as like worrying about a sale yep. you've never been worried about a sale you're never going to be worried about being demonetized you've always been worried about the core of standing up for what's right taking care of the people the right way. And those, those core values, they matter. They're important. And I, and I think it's uh, I think it's important for people here. I agree. Absolutely. Sal, it's been a great time, man. We're going to give an extra, we're going to give an outro here real quick. And then we'll holler at you for a quick second when we get off the air and probably harass you for some autograph baseballs or something like that. And then, um, Do your outro. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pee real quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Such a good dude. And, yeah. and obviously we'll kind of let it run while he's, while he's taking a pee pee. 
Thankfully, he's got this amazing office that's got a bathroom in it. So pretty right, cool. Man. But, um, you know, I was intrigued to hear his story, too, you know, as far as like just where his passion comes from and, and, and how he sees things. Because and it's not that he's not valued at first form. He for sure is. Andy Frisella just tends to be the face of a mm-hmm. lot and mm-hmm. the voice of a lot. But there's a lot of, that goes back into the infrastructure and direction and just overall performance of first form and, and being able to meet Sal when we had some fun with him and. I was sneaking back into his office for 30 minutes or for an hour, like that entire day. And it was intriguing to just kind of hear something. And he's a baseball guy too, so yeah, it was yeah, fun yeah. there. But it was super interesting to just hear everything he had to say. Their and, dynamics. And, and just hearing yeah, more about what he yeah, does. Because, you, yeah. you know, if you if you haven't met the guy, you, and that's what's so cool about him as well is he's not trying to Mm-mm. let everybody hear what he does. But he'll go on podcasts and share it if you ask him and, and if he's close enough to you. But he's not – he doesn't necessarily have an agenda – to pass that, like no. he says, he talks about hey, not letting people steal his time. It's like hey, he's he's getting after it and he's doing what's right. <clears throat> and if people find out about it, great. And if yep. they don't, great. But he's yep. he's in it for, you know, for the right things to do. Super yeah, interesting. man. Well, uh, guys, listening, we appreciate you. This is Day One Dollar Zero podcast again. If this brought you value at all, a share goes a long way. Telling a buddy goes a long way. Absolutely. Um, where can where can people find you, man? Where's the best place for me? For you. Instagram, Will underscore Grimes, or you can find me on Facebook. Just take the underscore off. I don't use the underscore on, on Facebook, but there, um, there you, you can find us on YouTube and all that good stuff. Uh, if you if you don't know where to find Sal, Sal Frisella, pod, on, uh, on, his, uh, on his Instagram, Mr. on his Facebook. Mr. Frisella. He's most, and he's right. most, uh, yeah, and he's most. Uh, Sal, is it Mr. Frisella on Facebook, uh, on Instagram? Mr. Frisella. I mean, I'm, I've been IG in so long, like you didn't use your real name. It wasn't cool to use. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. My real name and somebody hijacked it. Motherfuckers. Mine used to be like Sweet Dick Willie or something like that, but then I had to grow up a little bit. <laughs> oh shit! Awesome. Hey Sal, hang on the line for a quick second, man. We're gonna we're gonna give this outro, and we'll we'll um we'll sneak back to yeah, you real quick. We're <laughs> <laughs> we supposed to. I had to get a little bit more. I'm better at baseball than you while you were gone, dude. I gotta I gotta get it in while I can. Well, we appreciate you guys <laughs> listening. Day One Dollar Zero podcast out. out. I'm a sip it on down